Will you play that tiny stringed instrument during this podcast? No, the the Darn. ukulele. Although it is, no, it is, it is, in, is it. in our theme. It oh, it is, is in the theme. Yeah. Okay, good. So many, so many, so many damn books. Hello and welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Jade Chang joining us in the damn library. Uh, <laughs> welcome, Jade Chang. You are the author of this new book, Wangs vs. the World, and you hail from Los Angeles. And we're so glad to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Those are all true things, except <laughs> for the hailing from the library part. Oh, yeah, really, this is the damn library. A.K.A bedroom yeah well <laughs> is that a secret <laughs> not no. it's not a secret but we don't like very, to talk about it wait, really <laughs> i think it's very charming i think that's my favorite part of this podcast so far yes oh, all right i mean good. and the cocktail and okay. the cocktail oh yeah the cocktail I'm going to take that as my cue to talk about my my drink. Yeah. Well, the drink is actually called the Sina. <gasps> really? Yeah. Well, just... Um, That's amazing. You know, she seemed like a very... She's a complex character. And so mm-hmm. I thought that this uh, drink, which... this uh, I, It uses a simple syrup composed of Chinese spice, spice and fresh ginger. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought that she was complex like that. And... Mm-hmm. And then uh, mm-hmm. there's also a fresh lime juice and cucumber prairie vodka, which I thought prairie vodka, the America of this novel, ah. fits into that. Nice. Anyway, you shake that up over ice and then you pour it over ice and hopefully you have a nice time. It's really we delicious. Are. Yeah. I've we <laughs> are enjoying it for glad. sure. I'm very glad. Uh, I don't, do we want to talk about what we bought now? Yeah, sure. Drew, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, why not? You just went on a trip. You I probably did. bought books. I was in London uh, for Columbus Day weekend, and as I do when I go to London, my I came back with a bag that was pretty much half full of books, because um, they're just they're cooler covers sometimes, oh. or like the editions yeah. that sort of fit. They do a great thing. Most of the UK publishers will publish an all of an author's book, all of their books in a way that fits based on the author mm-hmm. so like if you look at all of the scarlet thomases in a row or you look at all of the um ian McEwans in a row and you're like oh that's that author really? even though each individual oh, cool. book is designed and all that stuff mm-hmm. um but so i picked up scarlet thomas's uh the seed collectors her new book i picked up um ian McEwan's nutshell his new book about a, a baby Hamlet? Unborn baby Hamlet, basically, mm-hmm. um, oh, and good. a yeah. two-volume slipcase version. Another thing that I love that I wish more U.S. publishers did of Paul Murray's "The Mark and the Void." Oh, that's um, cool because one can be the mark and one can one be can, the void. one is the mark, the other is the void. Very cool. I'm I'm stoked. Yeah, I look at them on my shelf and I'm just like, ah, trip was worth it. <laughs> trip was worth it for a lot of other reasons, but <laughs> trip was worth it. Nice. Um, you also just took a trip, Christopher. I did. I just visited uh, my parents in Los Angeles. Oh. So you'll know, possibly yeah. you'll know this amazing place that oh, they took me to. where did you go? Uh, it's this weird used bookstore in Burbank called Movie World. 
No. So that's confusing. Um, it's called movie. <laughs> I don't, it's, yeah, exactly. It's called Movie World because they sell a, like a hell of a lot of film posters. <sighs> but the, the, you know, grand use of their space is just stacking as many trade paperbacks as they possibly can in one place. Cool. I was hoping that it was all just the book versions of oh. films, <laughs> you know? Oh, be, yeah. <laughs> I got my Spider-Man 2 novelization. Yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park, the novelization. For. I had a novelization of Ferris Bueller's Day Off that uh-huh. I read, like, multiple times. <laughs> Were there any differences to the movie? Do you remember? No. It was very <laughs> faithful to the movie. <laughs> I think um, that's why I liked it. <laughs> and uh, my... Mom actually just turned me on to Rex Stout, this um, this mystery writer, uh-huh. and he wrote like dozens and dozens of these Nero Wolf novels. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never read them, but I've heard about this. Nero yeah. Wolf is sort of he's he's a shut in. He will never leave his incredible house in um, like Midtown Manhattan, and uh, he has, but he does have sort of a gopher, uh, Archie, who uh, is his sort of he's the one who is narrating the books. So I picked up a couple of those. Cool. Yeah. Really great. Um, and so, yeah, movie world in Burbank, go buy some books there. It was a really cool I place to be. I will go check that out. Yeah. What did you buy? Oh. Jade? Man, what books have I bought? Is that the question? <laughs> yeah. And if, <sighs> unless you bought something else interesting that you'd like to share. A ukulele, for example. Yeah. <laughs> I am the my fr- the first thing that I do tomorrow morning is I'm going <laughs> to buy a ukulele, and then I will finally be part of New York City 2016. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so one of the interesting things about writing a book is people start to give you a lot of books. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I have not. I can't think of a book that I've bought recently though i must have bought something um but i do have um two copies of the mothers i'm very excited to read the brit bennett yeah yeah yeah. so i can't wait to read that um i also i just did um a launch in san francisco and they were like we're gonna give you a book what what do you want it was a lot of pressure. Suddenly, the, door, the <laughs> store was like about to close, and I just had to choose something immediately. Uh, so I ended up taking um, what's the, uh, the woman who wrote Olive Kittredge. The new book is I am oh um something. Uh, no, I am Lucy Stout. Is, my name is Lucy. My name Stout. is Lucy Stout. Yeah, my yeah. My name is Lucy Barton. Oh, my yeah. name is Lucy Barton. My name is Lucy Barton. Is that the, my name is Lucy Barton? Yeah, by right. Elizabeth Strout. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited to read all of those. Yeah, that nice. sounds good. Because this book is sort of, it's really terrific. It's really wonderful. Thank yeah. You. And um, there's so many interesting parts to it. Um, do you want to talk about actually? Do you want to give mm-hmm. a little summary of what it's about for people who might sure. not know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this book takes place in the late summer of 2008 and, you know, the, the financial world is falling apart and we start off in Bel Air with Charles Wang, who is a, an immigrant businessman from Taiwan and he came to America, made a cosmetics fortune Mm. And he's just lost it all. And the book kind of follows him 
through the aftermath of that. But it's not just him. It's um, the book is told from five different points of view. It's Charles, um, his three children. There's the oldest daughter, Sina, who now has a drink named after her. <laughs> um, and she is a disgraced art world it girl who's living in retreat in a, uh, in a house in upstate New York. And then the middle son, Andrew, is a, an aspiring stand-up comic and, mm-hmm. uh, and a college student. And the youngest daughter, Grace, uh, is in boarding school and she is a style blogger and she feels things very, very deeply. <laughs> and there's also their stepmother, Barbara, who named herself after Barbara Streisand. And the book is kind of a road trip, a cross country road trip with, um, with this family. It seems like Charles is sort of the main character in, in sort of, sort of, but Uh I would I was curious if, if you think of him as the main character and and if you came to writing it through Mm -hmm. a different character rather than Charles, because we were thinking maybe Sina as well. She seemed like a way into the story. I definitely started with Charles. Like he, so the first chapter of the book, um, that was the first chapter that I wrote and it pretty oh, cool. much, yeah. And it pretty much still stands right now as I wrote it. I added some stuff, you know, some just kind of like things dropped in that'll, that come into play later. But in terms of like the tone of that chapter, the voice of that chapter, like Charles's kind of brash over the top, like, you know, punch the world in the face kind of <laughs> attitude. That was that was there from the beginning. Yeah. I was wondering if you would just talk a little bit more about juggling these perspectives and if you felt like any of them were like fighting to be heard more or if you felt like they all sort of, they were playing nice. <laughs> or or unifying, unifying that voice into a, a book, because they definitely all uh-huh. live under. Yeah, I mean, I really did want to present different voices all together. And, you know, I think part of that is just, I think I'm someone who works better with a challenge, you know, like when something is hard, it just seems more interesting to me. So I, th- I think the idea of writing like five very different points of view, um, you know, I'm writing in close third for like five very different people. Mm-hmm. It just seemed exciting and, and kind of difficult in a in a way that could be really, really rewarding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of whether or not they kind of fought with each other I don't know I really I didn't feel that way and and I think I also um from a kind of you know definitely telling a story was my number one priority but I also just on a kind of theoretical level I guess I also wanted to um you know, you get so many immigrant stories, like stories about people of color that are just about one kind of perspective, one kind of person. And I I didn't want to just tell like one kind of story about rich Chinese people, even though that would have already been somewhat different. You mm-hmm. know, I wanted to tell like 
I wanted to show that there are so many different ways to like live in the world, even when you are in a single family. Like I think one of the things that's like exciting about humans is that we're so similar. Like we have these desires, we have these needs, we have these things that we want. We all just want to be seen. We all just want love. We all just want these like very basic things. But then there's so many different ways to like come at that and, and be a person. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you can really see that even even in when they're in the same car too like you yeah. like you can totally imagine a family like going and spinning off inside of a house uh -huh. but like in a car even that yeah you can Based see them with each other um speaking of the car um mm -hmm. were, were there any road trip narratives that you read that like helped helped shape this or because we were talking too that the trip yeah. that they take they didn't they don't necessarily have to go to new orleans um you know how did that yeah, I know. I, I didn't realize that so many people would be so practical. <laughs> like, so many people have been like, but that's not the fastest way across country, <laughs> which is very true. But I wanted them, you know, there are these like cities in America that are just so interesting. Like I mm -hmm. wanted them to go to Austin. I wanted them to go to New Orleans. You know, I wanted them to kind of travel that Southern route. Um, in terms of road trip narratives, I I did not realize this while I was writing the book, but my sister actually sent me an article recently about this this writer, Gordon Corman, who is a middle grade writer. He's extremely prolific. He's written like literally hundreds of books and he's Canadian. Mm -hmm. And um, he wrote a book called No Coins, Please. That okay. I read as a kid, and I loved it. I read that book over and over and over again, and it's about it's about these like two Canadian teenagers who are maybe like eighteen or nineteen, and they they oversee this sort of like teen tour trip that's like a bunch of kids, like twelve year olds, in a van going across America, <laughs> and the main kid is this like twelve year old con artist. Name, I think his name is Artie Geller. And he just like in every city in America, he pulls off this like amazing con. And it's it's really funny. It's really it's super smart. It's fantastic. And um, yeah, in so like that li book lives in your blood now. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, you know, my sister sent it to me and she was like, hi, <laughs> you know, and I just felt like, oh, yeah, like this, the the sensibility of that book, the like gleeful con man is something that I love and find like so fascinating and fun. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and there is a little bit of, not a con, but right. you're hoping that he pulls it off in mm -hmm. some way. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, mm -hmm. what we're hoping he pulls off, but we are hoping he does it in both times, both when he's even explaining how he failed you're just like, it's almost like you're reading, you know, how a con failed, like how a plan, yeah. uh, the best laid plans. Yeah. Charles really does have that, that con man charm. But the book starts off with this amazing fact that I did not know that, that makeup, urea, which is manufactured urine mm -hmm. uh is like the basis of 
cosmetics. A lot of cosmetics. Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm sort of curious, like, what is what's the fact. journey from that fact? Like, how quickly from that to the book? Like, did you did you uh, get that? And you're like, okay, now I need a book about makeup or something. <laughs> I think um, so. I learned about that when I I interviewed um, a woman who makes perfume. And so she told me about uh, how you get, how musk is derived, which mm. is disgusting. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, the people are like smearing it on their bodies is totally gross, but also kind of beautiful. I mean, I think the fact that like you make these desired, luxurious, beautiful things out of like something gross is in itself a beautiful thing, yeah. you know? And, and is actually, like, very... It's, like, you're kind of, like, willing to face the truth about the world and how, like, <laughs> the beautiful and the grotesque are kind of the same. They're wrapped up in each other, you know? And so she... I think she was the one who first told me, like, well, you know, like, this is also... And, and then at that time, I was working um, at this magazine called Angelino, and I was... I edited the beauty pages and so I would get a lot of uh I've sent a lot of cosmetics um and I would read the labels and be like oh yeah urea oh urea like in everything yeah yeah (laughs) eureka Uh, it's urea yes exactly I'm sorry (laughs) that was a great dad joke I'm into it (laughs) (laughs) um I want to go back to the car for a minute because we've now hinted at it like three times yes the fact that the car mm-hmm. briefly, but mm-hmm. very importantly, gets mm-hmm. to be a character mm-hmm. is so cool. And I'm wondering where that where that idea came from and, and mm-hmm. why was there more of was the car originally like much more of a character? Was it a mm-hmm. light breaking thing? How did you come to decide to do like that very gutsy thing of making the car a character? You know, I think with this book, I really was just like, I am just going to push it all out, like as far as I can. I'm going to kind of use the like every inch of canvas that writing a novel offers you. And I'm just going to like do whatever I want basically and you know it's a road trip when you're on a road trip a car kind of is your friend you know or it's like a part of your family it's a part of your world you know it's a part of your like contained world road trip world and um I don't know I've always really felt a lot of empathy for inanimate objects (laughs) (laughs) And, and it just didn't seem that strange to me like it just seemed like yeah it should be it should be part of things cool yeah yeah so you have brought to us today Mm -hmm. uh neon green yes by margaret wappler yes and what made you think that what made you decide to recommend this to us well on a personal level um margaret and i have spent years and years and years um basically working not side by side but across 
from each other so like you're playing battleship exactly <laughs> and it kind of looks like battleship because it's it's our two laptops like <laughs> facing each other yeah yeah um but yeah we've spent years sort of working on these novels simultaneously at cafes and bars and restaurants all across the great city of los angeles mm-hmm. um and so i feel like you know, it's interesting. We neither of us are big workshoppers. Like we didn't we didn't trade parts of our novel as we were writing them, though though we read one another's novels like at the end. But um but I still I feel sort of very intimately attached to this book, you know? Because we talked about the ideas behind our books mm-hmm. kind of incessantly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then on and a not personal level, I just love it. I mean, it's a really beautiful book. It's it's kind of it's both kind of on the surface. It seems like it would be very strange in a way, but at its core, it's this kind of beautiful and accessible piece of work that. Um, it kind of like talks about things that are known and unknown to all of us, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, um, and yeah. And I just thought it would be kind of fun to discuss. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Before I, you ask your question. Oh yeah. I yes. just want to say what it's about. Good idea. Oh yeah. Uh, which is, it's, it's pretty simple. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a family. It's mm-hmm. a great like elevator pitch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of so It's a, it's night. It's, Mid nineties suburban Chicago. Yes, and um, this family wins. Uh, this family that's environmentally minded. Mm-hmm. The mom's an environmental Very. lawyer. The dad is an environmental consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two kids that are also have to live with those types of parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the son enters a contest uh, to win aliens coming to stay in their backyard because yes. the other part about this reality it's exactly like ours except, except. we have made contact there are spaceships with aliens from jupiter and yes. in part of their program of of get of diplomacy or something yeah they park these spaceships in backyards mm-hmm. based on this contest mm-hmm. and they just stay there for a few months they never come out you never see the aliens but they are there and the spaceship does stuff. Yeah. The spaceships sometimes put on a little bit of a show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's part of one of the most fun parts of the novel is really the, that beginning part of when the, the spaceship yeah. comes and, and sets down. Yeah. And all of the neighbors are like, whoa, you got the, you got the spaceship. <laughs> that's yeah. um, it. Um, it always sounded like a burden to me, like throughout. Like I, ne- I don't. Well, is is it because like you like things to be neat and clean? So then you're like, the spaceship's gonna mess up my lawn, man. Yeah, I think that's that that is part of it, and also just like, you know, crazy sounds and lights at yeah. random times, oh, yeah. which. It just sounds. In New York City. It sounds like yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I get that en- enough. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, I did not think about the like the circle of yellow dead grass when the spaceship lifts off. That you're gonna be like, oh man, right? <laughs> Spend yeah. all this money so irrigating the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a. It's a. It's an interesting um, conundrum, and and of course the the dad is immediately 
angry about it mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and wants it off of his lawn. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that the kid gets um, the son, Gabe, yeah. gets uh, punished for winning a contest. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I cut you off, Drew. Will, will you? Well, before we dive too deeply into yeah. the the particulars of the book, I'm just curious to know about your experience of writing this book across from somebody. Mm-hmm. And specifically, you sort of already answered this, but if okay. if there are any influences that you see mm-hmm. crossing one way or another, like is there a moment where you incorporated something of Margaret into Wang's or where you were reading Neon Green and you're like, Son of a bitch, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she there is a Mrs. Chang in the book. I don't oh. know if you guys know. Oh, yeah, this. that's oh. right. Yeah, yeah. She's not like the nicest character, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I actually, I don't know if you guys remember the Gabriel who works for... Um, who works for Leo mm-hmm. in my book. Oh, right that's like in in our kind of minds that was like gabe a few years later you Whoa. know having escaped his like crazy family like it goes to upstate new york and kind of goes hippie for a little while and works on you know works on this farm cool oh, that's so mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. I love it when like worlds are yeah. connected like that. Yeah. Although I didn't think about the spaceship issue. I mean, Gabe, he goes from a world with spaceships to one without them. So maybe, Uh-oh. or maybe you just didn't mention that part. Like it was yeah. just wasn't a well, part yeah, of your characters. There characters. actually are spaceships in my world. And yeah. Yeah. They're so common that we just didn't even have to talk yeah, well, about yeah, them. You, people yeah, are like, yeah, what do you mean? That's you not know. interesting to us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's interesting. These novels on their surfaces would seem pretty different, mm-hmm. um, but there are a lot of similarities, of, especially because yeah. you're using them to both of these. Are, uh, they're exploring what a family is and what makes mm-hmm. up a family and, and mm-hmm. what conflicts brings out in families. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I guess they're just family novels, but that's also the wrong term for what they are. I don't know. Because like the, f- the, big American family novel thing Mm -hmm. goes so far as to include something like the corrections, but then you can even like continue to just go back in time and build up. Like you can be looking at um, like sister Carrie and older novels that still talk about the same. And like Mm -hmm. these novels are not those novels. Right, 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 right. But they also, they deal with something very particular that feels like it's maybe of the last Mm-hmm. 30 years mm-hmm. like the the post reagan era yeah family novel uh-huh um and i'm this is sort of i guess for both of you but i'm like okay how i'm curious about how like the 90s versus 2008 but also mm-hmm. the fact that family dynamics are still very much the same mm-hmm. like how this is playing out in our literature and evolving in this very interesting way oh, right now yeah, I mean, one thing that's interesting about setting a book in the '90s, yeah, is you're with immediately losing the internet is right. is a crazy thing, and it and I really think that for a book about aliens and there's so much, 
mm-hmm. mystery about like dealing with this company mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that um, runs the Jupiter yeah. Um, yeah. diplomacy <laughs> yeah. program. Jupiter relations. Yeah. Um, I love that it's a it's a independent company too. Yeah, <laughs> that it's an independent contractor. <laughs> That you know, it, with the internet, you would just go on the message board for right, it and right. just talk, or you know, just like tweet Google out with the with like hashtag Jupiter with Alien yeah. and just like <laughs> look at that and see. Oh yeah, I guess everybody had this had the right. sludge pop out onto their lawn every right, morning, exactly. and it was fine. I don't know. So I I feel like, but you also set your novel slightly in the past. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think that that was just to catch the financial crash as well. Was there was there yeah, something well, else that you could you found? In, in setting it in 2008? Well, the thing is, it wasn't the past when I started writing oh, okay. it. So <laughs> I thought I was setting my novel in the present. I just didn't finish <laughs> until years later. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sadly. But I, but, I think, but I think with setting a novel in the 90s, I think anything set in the recent past is so interesting because we tend not to realize how much our lives change and how quickly our lives change. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at that, you're sort of like, Oh, that is actually a slightly different world, you know? And it's, it's people have like slightly different concerns. The, the ways that they're impacted by kind of outer things is a little bit different. Um, but also I think that what, I mean, what I really love about Neon Green is um, it plays with the idea of belief Hmm. in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And just personally, I find that really interesting. Um, I think that's something that I think about a lot. That's definitely something that I'm thinking about for like the next thing that I'm doing. Like it's um, and it's it's ways that we don't see a lot, you know, it's not religious belief really. It's, it's, it's sort of like how you make yourself a person in the world, like how you kind of present these beliefs to the world. And each one of the characters, I think kind of goes through that in a different way. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Well, and Ernest is, is a, um, is environmentalist, before it's cool too oh, yeah. like it's like he's green before like green happened yeah um which is sort of interesting yeah uh, as a as a character and it just mm-hmm. makes him so he always all the other characters but even he's so green even his <laughs> wife sort of you know paints him as like a don quixote a yeah. little bit like a little bit of finding windmills even yeah. before he's fighting to get a spaceship out of his backyard right he's like he he's like a person who always wants to fight for something i can like see him in that 90s movie like mm. holding a copy of silent spring yeah at the like town meeting being like we might everyone's like okay dude whatever there it is again But, and another level of belief is, I mean, and I'm mm-hmm. very curious for you guys too. Did you believe that those are really aliens? That Are there really aliens in this thing? I mean, the way that it's described in uh-huh. the spaceship, it, it's, they're like, it's, it looks almost like too man-made. Like it's. Oh, you mean you guys thought that it was like not an actual spaceship? That it was like a government hoax? I thought it might be. Oh, I don't I don't know. I'm too trusting. That never that possibility never even like entered my mind. Wait, what did you think? I, there was a single moment in uh-huh. the reading where I that idea popped into my head and but mm-hmm. it wasn't so much that I wondered so much as I was like, "Oh, what if this 
And I was oh. like, no. I because to me it would set up too many like I shut it yeah. down because it would set up too many things that would make me question sort of like the fabric of the rest of the novel. Well, I, and I think also so I totally think it's aliens. <laughs> and, um, I think what my favorite I don't know if this is a spoiler. I'll make it kind of vague. But my favorite part of the whole book, um, because honestly, the whole time I was like, Margaret, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are they going to come out of the spaceship yeah. or not? Yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah, definitely. You there's know? the Chekhov's gun thing of like, if you bring an alien into in I, with the spaceship, yes. by the third act, the alien's got to come out, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. And I wish that I had thought to put it that way. That's really funny. I just, <laughs> I just set a gun. But <laughs> yeah. in order not to spoil it like at the end they do have a profound experience with the spaceship yeah Mm -hmm. and that is my hands down my favorite part of the book and i think that in order to me in order to have that experience it has to be otherworldly see and that's that was exactly why i pushed it back and thought they weren't really because i thought it was like a familial like a family (gasps) thing like they they had to believe in something together because the entire time i mean this is definitely not a spoiler it happens in the first third of the book that um uh ernest's wife i'm forgetting her name cynthia cynthia Mm -hmm. she um is diagnosed with cancer yes like aggressive cancer and uh and really there's never a point Mm -hmm. in any of their beliefs that she will get better like no one ever thinks like she's gonna make it through like there's never a point um and so i kind of thought this is they weren't able to believe that they weren't able to believe this but if they could believe in the spaceship together they could finally have so so that's that was when i was like maybe definitely wow maybe definitely not that's interesting that is really beautiful oh she wrote it that (laughs) was a beautiful interpretation <laughs> that last scene reminded mm-hmm. me a little bit of uh there's a moment in signs mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they've just gotten out of a car and like they pick up this sort of alien signal mm-hmm. and there's this moment of like just family bonding around the idea of something larger but yet that is tangible in a way yeah. that religion so often is not yeah and while that movie obviously takes a far darker turn um with like where this book sort of ends on that hopeful note that i'd like because throughout the book it is mm-hmm. taken for granted that we have established contact with these aliens and right. whatever they are and the thing and it's weird and okay right and people are just sort of like hey okay well the spaceship <laughs> is dumping goop in our backyard again mm-hmm. in a way that i personally cannot imagine not feeling some measure uh, of like even after nine months i've just been right. like there's off. a spaceship in the backyard. <laughs> and I loved that at the end, they all sort of came around to this like, hey, let's address like the amazing cosmic wonder of this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether or not uh, what they're experiencing is in their heads or right. actually something for real. Oh. Right, I, I d- also, I went for the, it was for real. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's a there's another sort of... Uh, pull back the curtain uh-huh. and see the person like moving Wizard the uh-huh. yeah 
um, in the book. So I kind of thought like there was a bunch of them going on. When one of those happens, I'm like, well, I guess all of this is fake. Uh, <laughs> and then I start looking for the way that it works. So uh, that might just be a personal like bugaboo <laughs> that has nothing to do with how she wrote it. On a writing level, I'm curious to hear what you guys thought about like kind of all the 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 different forms of narration like the the family log so so Ernest the father um who kind of likes to be an activist in all ways uh he has the kids mostly Gabe um log the activities of the spaceship so there's this family log and then there's also um Gabe is really into shortwave radio. Mm -hmm. Is it shortwave radio? Yeah. And he listens to like a very strange program, a couple of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like how did I love those parts? And I'm, I'm curious to hear like how other people kind of respond to them. I really enjoy when a book's format shifts around and Mm -hmm. they do like one of my favorite books of the last couple of years this book, The Supernatural Enhancements. Oh, I don't mm-hmm. know it. Um, uh-huh. By Edgar Cantero. And mm-hmm. it, it is, there's large chunks of just regular prose, mm-hmm. but then there are also these sections that are like... Um, descriptions of video. Yeah, descriptions of like of video recordings or audio transcripts okay. or like old diaries. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes together and tells a story in a yeah. way that just standard prose sometimes can't. Right. And I, I really enjoyed like the some of those diary entries are some of the like the strongest writing just because they uh, are so funny and weird uh-huh. in the and, space of three lines and deeply characterized too like there's <laughs> so much that character yeah. um, you didn't almost even need the initials afterwards at some uh, points it just be like that's that gay that yeah yeah that's interesting um, yeah I I agree with that um, it remind actually the radio uh, broadcast he listens to remind mm-hmm. me of first made me think of podcasting like yeah (laughs) um but it also made me think of infinite jest too there Uh was there's a character that can't stop listening to sort of a um Uh an ethereal radio show oh uh, in in infinite jest made me think of lost oh yeah the the, the number station yeah the repeating russian Uh, lady i was like oh that is definitely a number but like that's a cold war numbers station yeah Yeah. Uh, but i loved the like the weird star talk but Mm-hmm, far mm-hmm. stranger mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of those things that would every would remind you that we are in the realm of the uncanny or yes, something exactly um yeah it and i love those reminders just in life you know mm-hmm. that like all these things that we you know we talk about like the occults or magic as if they're these kind of like out there things, but, but all the many like simple everyday things we can also see as magic if we choose to, Yeah, you know, that's beautiful. Yeah, well, thank you for bringing me on green. It was so good. Ah, I'm so glad you guys loved it. Um, Let's talk about other books we loved and talk about recommendations. Oh, the last recommendation for the road. Yeah, recommendation for the road. Do you want Do you want to start us off, Christopher? Absolutely. Um, So I actually talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, episodes ago, 
what'd you buy? I bought uh, the selfishness of others. Um, this this essay, book length essay about the fear of narcissism ah. by Kristen Dombeck. I have now read that book, and um, if there were was a pull string version of me, I feel like it like one of the things that would be preloaded right now would be, "Have you read the selfishness of others?" Because <laughs> I am obsessed with this book. I can't stop referencing it or talking about it. It is a strangely. Um, it starts out so bleak uh, about self-obsession, but then it actually turns into a very hopeful look at the way that we are viewing ourselves oh, and cool. um, and how we, you know, selfie culture and everything is may not be... Is it more essayistic or is it... It's just an essay, one long oh, okay. essay. Oh, it's one single essay. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend picking this up and and seeing how it changes your mind of the, of the world that we're living in today. Because I know that... I, People are uncomfortable sometimes when they take a look at at, uh, at all of the different ways that it seems like narcissism is on the rise. Mm-hmm. But uh, the book is very interesting in the way that it takes that apart and takes and looks at all the pieces and says, wait, really? Huh. Nice. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. That sounds good. Jade, Drew. how about you? Oh, I, was, I said Drew, but you can. Yeah, Jade. Not Drew at all. Jade. <laughs> also four letters. Two of the same. Yeah. A D and an E, so pretty mm. close. Um, I have recently reread actually two books that I really love um, that kind of are interesting read in tandem. Uh, one of them is A Natural History of the Senses, which is, uh, both of these are nonfiction. It's, I can't remember the name of the author, but but I assume that Christopher and Drew will look it up and put oh it yeah on we'll have that the on website. the website yeah. yeah okay but um it's it's this beautiful book about each of the five senses and a natural history of the senses you know it kind of explains how each of the senses works and then it approaches each one from many different angles kind of like a poetic literary angle like a scientific angle cool. a historical angle yeah it's really uh it's so well done if you're someone who just like loves to have kind of like dinner party factoids this is the have i got a book for you (laughs) this is really so many of those um so i've been rereading that and then i've also i also just recently reread um this short collection of essays by written by a naturalist um and it's called the perfumier perfumier and the stinkhorn a stinkhorn is a kind of beetle um and it's these it's very short and it's it almost looks just like a book of poetry it's so small and short and it's a book of short essays about nature and they're so beautiful just like flat out simple and beautiful Mm. cool Mm -hmm. and i highly recommend both of those books Wow, thanks. Those sound great. All right, now now Drew. The yeah, process yeah. of elimination. <laughs> You're the it's one. Your turn. Um a another book that actually goes back in time and sort of mm-hmm. looks at our near recent past. Um My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix. Uh it's a good title. Oh, it's so and it it's set in nineteen eighty eight and it's it I like am imagining that in an alternate universe, this book came out 
in like 1986 and then John Waters made a movie of it that I like watched while I was homesick from school one day in like middle school <laughs> on VHS. It's like right. it has that vibrancy of detail and the sort of like the reason we keep going back to movies like Ferris Bueller I feel like is because mm-hmm. they are so true mm-hmm. in a way that like modern movies sometimes kind of miss and this book is the same way but it is also absolutely terrifying uh as a it's two best friends they're sophomores in high school um one of them ends up getting possessed by a demon uh and so it's it's like the height yeah right (laughs) it's like the height of the satanic panic like geraldo's special just aired and she's slowly messing with this town and her best friend is the only one who's like something is wrong she i think i think like something's really wrong and she uh like it's it finally gets to a point where there of course there's gonna be an exorcism but in a way that like you could imagine john waters directing this exorcism it's john waters or john hughes john hughes and john waters either one i mean both of them yeah Waters more over the top. Yeah. Hughes more Home Alone Breakfast style. Clubby. Yeah. Oh. Different ones. I like sure. I imagine <laughs> like the just like the bright assault of mm. Yeah. Totally. Of demons flying out of you. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like Uh but yeah, I really loved it. Wow. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. It's good for your whole thing too. Yeah. In, uh, What's in your whole thing? October I read um Scary I read scary books yeah. the whole month. Yeah. I yeah. never read scary books. Me or, neither. Or watch scary movies. I hate Me that. Me neither. <laughs> Sometimes, though. Really? Sometimes I, I make an exception. I'm probably going to watch Hocus Pocus when I go home tonight. Let's that's, just not a, real. that's not that's a scary, not scary movie. Right? But it can't, I mean, it's... In I really would probably be scared, honestly. <laughs> so, so it counts to me. Seasonally appropriate. Seasonally yes. appropriate. Books, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. They're, all of these books, all the books, there yes. are a few of them out there, um, and you should read them all, mm-hmm. including especially the Wangs versus the World. Yes, it is. It's Absolutely. one of my favorite books of the year. Oh, thank it's you. So, it's so fantastic. You go go pick up your copy now. You will not be disappointed by how fun this book is. It was an excellent recommendation, guys. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. <laughs> And uh, and we also recommend going on to iTunes and there it is reviewing us. It will give you that you know fresh mouthwash feeling, and your whole soul will feel cleansed. Yeah, it's true. Or your really? money back. No one right, gave goodbye. We can't have that all in. Uh, you don't want conflict? You don't want a record of conflict? <laughs> as much as I do. And a small service fee. I could spend three dollars and sixty-three cents. And die Coca-Cola.